Greetings there, SE land. This is Twig, Anthony Twig Wheeler. Here we are with episode 71 of Twig's SE Reflections. This is a podcast series for SE students and practitioners everywhere, people who are considering the psychobiological literature and the traumatic somatic healing arts, what sometimes is called the new traumatology. I've been swimming in that stuff for a little while. I like to talk about it. Here we are, episode 71, and I'm going to think about look at, reflect with you a little bit on a phenomena that happens in our sessions that can sometimes make a practitioner feel a little uncomfortable, maybe on edge, the idea that they're not doing it right. And that is when the silence goes on too long. When the back and forth between us and our clients just drops away and everybody sits in silence for too long. Maybe it's two seconds or four seconds or 30 minutes could be anywhere in between sometimes it's that the client goes silent for too long and the practitioner feels like they're talking and talking and filling in the space and then it seems like the client continues to continues to continues to not say anything and the silence goes on too long from the client's perspective or from the practitioner observing the client, says, ooh, wow, they're just not talking to me. Can go the other way. Client's talking, 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 talking. The client's talking, talking, and you're thinking to yourself, wow, I'm never going to be able to do SE. I'm never going to be able to get a word in edgewise here. And yet they're talking, 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 and you haven't said anything for two, four, eight, ten, twenty minutes. You're just kind of watching your eyes mesmerized at all of the verbiage that your client is sharing with you and you don't have any influence on their pacing or pattern or where they're going with their attention. The silence has gone on in that case too long. It can certainly feel like that sometimes. Of course, there's a very common place, the, perhaps the most common place where this happens and it's when we take or follow a client into freeze immobility, the dorsal vagal associated states where people are quieter, quieter, you know, quasi translate, quasi distance, dissociated, not all there, quiet. And sometimes too quiet. Like it's it, some kind, sometimes it can go on for too long. It can be too much you can start to wonder inside of yourself, when was the last time she said anything? Or you could think to yourself, when was the last time I said anything? And then you could get into this little conundrum. Should I say anything? If I say something, am I interrupting? If I say something, am I making the silence that just reigned for the last two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes feeling of too longness, whatever it is, am I breaking the silence and making the signal of permission for the silence that was there inaccurate? Am I confusing my signal of permission for the silence, but then here I am going to say something? And if I am going to say something, what am I going to say? How do I, how do I break the silence? That's what we're looking at today in episode 71 of Twig's SE Reflections, when the silence goes on too long 
and what we can do to, quote, break the silence. Of course, we won't actually end up breaking the silence. That'll be the whole point or one of them that we almost rarely ever break the silence. We have things to consider in here, though. So let's, uh, let's do that. You know, there are those places where the silence it feels like it's unproductive. It feels that this quality of silence here, even if it might have started feeling productive and that's why you let it happen, it can get to a place where it feels like it's going on too long. You know, I don't know, maybe maybe you know a, a, a music time, you've been listening to a song and it lingers. The song continues on too long and you get this kind of feeling going on inside where you think to yourself, I don't want to listen to this anymore. You perhaps don't even actively consciously think about it. You walk over and you turn off the stereo. Then you, you feel it. Then the difference between the music going on too long and the abrupt end of the music. And you get a certain kind of relief of like, oh goodness, thank you for relieving that tension that was coming up in me of this, you know, I was working around the house, cleaning the house, and we were playing poppy, uplifting music, and then eventually it just got irksome, and you go over and you turn it off, and you get this great sense of relief. Well, in the opposite way, it can be this way in a session when the silence gets to a, a, a quality, a quality of too muchness, and it could be short. It could be very short. It could be long could be somewhere in there you notice that it's come into this place where it's like oh man now now the pattern is this silence that feels awkward or tense or in like not not with value how do i how do i negotiate this moment yeah and i went through a little list there at the introduction but let's just let's just recover some of them because there's a there's a little dynamic here where we can see that it, it can be the client being too silent, it can be us being too silent, it can be both the client and us being too silent, and it can be inside of, in relationship to the state, or that can have a big influence here, such as the dorsal vagal state, which has the tendency to drive more silence, yeah, and, and, and lead us to that. And there are considerations with all of those. There's considerations of, you know, how do you, what do you do what do you do when your client doesn't speak enough? Do you continue to fill in the space or do you start to not speak as much? Or what do you do when your client doesn't let you speak and, and you have the feeling that there's no room for you to get a word in edgewise and so you're, you're sitting there thinking, I have to say something, I have to say something, I have to say something, but you never get past threshold to actually say anything because it feels like your client is talking, 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 talking. We have to be able to negotiate these kinds of things somehow, you know, and how do we know, how do we know how much silence should happen in that dorsal vagal state? Like how much back and forth should happen and what are some of the signs perhaps, or what do we, how could we negotiate the times when we feel the edge of the, there's too much silence here, even the state that is supposed to, you know, very likely be associated with, it's very it's supposed to bring it up, but we could say better. It's very likely to bring it up more silence. If it's more likely to bring up more silence, you, you have this extra desire to have permission for it. And yet 
if you let it permit, it could get into that space where it's oh, too much of itself. And then it's unproductive and not helpful. And you think to yourself, what do I do now? Where you wanna, could want to go with all of that is straight to answers. You could straight want to go to answers, but you would not be listening. You would not be listening to Twig's essay reflections if you did that, because I don't have answers like that. And I don't know if you have answers like that. I don't know if those answers are available. I don't think you want, I don't want, I've never wanted, maybe, maybe at times I've wanted, yeah, sure, like do this, do that, because of this, because of that, you do this. But it's more, if you get inside of here and you hold these contexts and these conditions together, then you can more or less play it by ear. <laughs> you can be more jazzy and, and, and organic, you know, and, and independent and original inside of your sessions, because sometimes this is going to happen and you're going to have to do something about it. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there what you could do. But before we even try to answer what you might do or what possibilities are out there, let's just name like how it feels, how it could feel when the silence goes on too long, right? Like it could get awkward for your client. Whoa, whoa, that's it. Your client gets awkward in your office. You know, you, you keep talking, talking, you're, you're explaining so much. You're giving so much psychophysiology education. You know, you're, you're doing psychoeducation kind of things with a biological edge. You're explaining the trauma sequence and the arousal cycle, the stress response. You're, you're in there drawing out the vortexes in your client. They just feel awkward because you're talking so much. Or it goes the other way. They feel awkward. They don't, they don't want to talk to you. They don't know how to talk to you. They feel awkward that you're asking questions. And they're, they're going into more and more silence as you ask. Uh-huh. So, Twig, um, so how about now? It's been a few minutes now since I asked you the last time. What do you notice in your body now? Since you said last time that you didn't know, what do you notice now? You know, maybe they could get a little awkward and just go more and more silent as they get more and more questions that they can't answer. Some of them, that could happen. But wow, you know, what a cost. What a cost to have our clients awkward in our presence. Part of our whole point is to help our clients be more at ease. And it, you know, there's lots of ways to go about that. There's lots of ways to go about that. You could just help relieve the autonomic burden, the you know the the stress response burden, by telling them what to do, where to place their attention, feel this, feel that. You could manually or kind of manipulate, direct the attention to affect some pendulation. You know, feel something uncomfortable, feel something less uncomfortable or more comfortable, feel something negative, feel something positive, get this going, get some quote, discharge process happening, which probably is true for a lot of people. You could just kind of like quiet things down and they could be more comfortable in your space. That, that Totally. And that, that matters. It matters that you can do that. But how strange if part of that process is them feeling more and more awkward as you go about it. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't make everybody not feel awkward in your office. And yet, if you kind of see in here that awkwardness is somehow against the idea of a person feeling safer, which is part of the, the signal that we're trying to provide, we're trying to provide an 
increased signal of safety to our client's organism, their nervous system, their neuroception, so that they can perceive themselves as feeling safer and subsequently experience changes in their autonomic nervous system's behavior that allow them to kind of reappreciate the world from a safer, different perspective, inclusive of, including the actual use of different subsystems of their autonomic nervous system that provide the kind of possibility for them to experience well-being. The ventral vagal complex, as it were, you know, eventually as you go through this cycle, we help people feel safer. Their nervous system feels safer. They feel more in ability to engage with the environment. That's a consequence at a psychobiological level of their ventral vagal complex being more available. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to say that like everybody who's awkward is feeling awkward around us, that, that there's anything that we can do for everybody. But if we can measure that we're trying to limit, we're trying to limit how much we put people in a, you know, more tightened position because of our behavior as compared to a more at ease relationship to our behavior. It doesn't mean it's to go there immediately, but it does mean as a direction, if we're reinforcing silence, which is reinforcing a client's awkwardness, we're probably going to have to look for some other way to get across whatever it is we're looking for when we find ourselves being the one who talks too much. That's one example. Please, please be patient here. It's one example and not one that everybody is going to have to have worked with because some of you, some of you don't talk so much and, and some of us um, have differences. Of course, all of us do it our own way. Some of us and some of you, you'd go the other way. And, and I, I, I've always been the one probably to talk a little bit too much in my sessions. I've had to pull it back. But some of us, some of us are the silent ones. And then it gets it gets even more challenging when you add in any of the extra negotiations that can happen along the stress response or the kind of resiliency cycle where, or the resiliency spectrum, you know, the trauma spectrum that would say that on one side people are, well, you know, like I'm on the, okay, let me, let me get that clear. You get, you get somewhere along the resiliency spectrum, the trauma spectrum, and you have a compulsion from the sympathetic system to compel your behavior toward anxiety expressions of anxiety and flight or expressions of you know, aggression and fight. Generally speaking, this is a thing that exists in the universe. Inside of our biology, there is this relationship with an excessive innervation of the sympathetic system, compelling people's behavior, including their frame of speech, including their frame of speech toward the sympathetic side of things. And so they'll talk a lot and they'll go talk, 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 talk. And they'll give you a lot about the, the problem and everything that's going wrong and, and things that they need you to know about. And it can feel a little bit when you're a calm, at ease, rational being, you know, it can feel a little bit like you're being mowed over or attacked or impressed upon in a way that you really, you're, you're thinking inside of yourself, I just wish she would calm down. Or I wish I could help him just breathe a little bit. How could I stop him and help him breathe a little bit? And so there'll be a desire to change the state that this person who has a kind of a fast impulse moving through them, pushing, compelling their behavior, we might have this 
you know, like, oh, I wish I could, I could just not, I wish they would just not do this. This is what it comes down to sometimes. Well, you know, we can go silent too long with that. Too, too long. You know, the longer we go, sometimes some people have that kind of character logical element that compels them to fill in the space just that much more because we're not saying anything. Some people get a, you know, there's a, a certain, there's a certain permission that you grant when you don't anticipate, insist upon perhaps a back and forth conversation, at least some quality of reciprocity in your communication with you and your client. If you don't sometimes establish the rhythm and context for that, if you don't stab, establish the pattern for that, then you actually end up providing permission, the allowance, the open allowance, the expectation, following usually initial conditions of how you first met with your clients, the first one or two sessions, to establish how it is that this is going to work for the next 10, 20 sessions or two years of what the practitioner's behavior will be like and what the client's behavior will be like. And it can get very stereotypical right there at the beginning if somebody comes in with a high compulsion towards sympathetic talk, talk, talk kind of expressionism. And the practitioner isn't able to re or kind of align a different pattern right there at the beginning and it goes into a more silent kind of thing. Then the silence really can go on just too long because any number of one of us, any of us that could fall into this and have this happen and it can be extremely, excruciatingly difficult to figure out how to help it not happen and requires a great deal of creativity and courageousness right at the beginning of meeting with some people so as to not establish these conditions for later on where they'll have to be reorganized and sometimes broken to be remade again or recontracted with if we don't do it right there at the beginning this can put us into silence for way way too long two sessions, five sessions, 20 sessions, two years. Okay, that's another place it can happen. It can become awkward for the practitioner to speak. It can become awkward for the practitioner to get a word in edgewise. The silence can go on there too long. There's also a time when the, um, well, no, no, there's not a time when. There was, there was a conversation here about the feelings what it feels like, you know, there's the awkwardness, there's another feeling, there's another feeling oh, <laughs> that it, it's kind of like the internalized monologue of the, the SE police or the self-police or some, um, maybe it's the SE, SE genies or muses, maybe the uh, SE guides, Maybe there's this internalized voice that for some of us, when that uncomfortable silence, maybe both client, you know, we're not talking enough or we're stuck in that freeze and there's been too long with the silence. There, there can be this voice. I don't know. I don't know if you have this voice. Some of us have this voice, this voice that says, I'm not doing this right. And come up like real fast. You'll be there in silence. Silence would be Okay. A moment later, the silence feels a little awkward, feels like it's gone a little too long, maybe don't exactly know what you're going to say. Am I going to 
am I going to ask again if I, if, if Twig can feel inside his body now? I already asked him like three times and each time he just kind of sat there in silence and said no. And like, I'm not doing this right. I'm, I'm not, I'm not doing this right. We kind of fall down that vortex of, of deepening despair that I am, I am a horrible representative of somatic experiencing on this planet. How in the world did they ever let me try to talk to people and help them feel better? It'd be just abysmal. And then it, it could tighten our tongue, you know, kind of cut off our ability to speak any faster or come up with anything else to say. We kind of sit there frozen, our clients talking too much, or they're talking, they're sitting there talking inside themselves thinking, who is this? And what is this? And I can't answer these stupid questions. And, and we're sitting there, I don't know what to say next. And I don't know what to do next. And we're just tongue tied. And all of that mess. Well, it could really mess up our spontaneity, huh? I, it could just completely we could be completely sure I'm not doing this right and make it very difficult to bring forward a a, a more creative option or a, a more um, helpful intervention. There are times, there are times um, that it feels really strange and awkward and inside of ourselves we could think, I'm not doing this right, which I got to tell you, huh, please. Let's try to put that one down a little bit more. Whew, a little too heavy to carry. You're trying to learn something that can be learned. You're trying to learn something that you don't know how to do yet. You're trying to learn something that has only been being figured out for the last 40 years or so, at least in our framing of it. And you're trying to learn something that is a, is an aid it's an aid to something that intrinsically wants to happen and is informed by millions and millions and millions of years of evolution and a bunch of local rules inside of biology that make things want to happen as soon as it gets the signal that this or that is supposed to happen. And you are a guide to help those things which are unavailable to happen out in people's daily lives to happen inside of your rarefied environment called your office. It's great. We just need to think about these things. So don't worry. Don't worry. Except that, you know, should we worry about silence going too long? You know, let's, let's look at that. Should we worry about silence going too long? I mean, does it matter? Okay. On one level, I would like to tell you, I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think it matters. Not a penny, not a pence, not a, not a, not a tiny, tiny little bit. It's got, it's got nothing to worry about. When silence happens in your office and it goes on too long and you get that weird, uncomfortable feeling that you really wish you could turn over to the stereo and turn it off and make it all go right again, be silent or, you know, break this uncomfortable silence, mixing the metaphors to play with you there, if you... If you, if you, if you just got to hear me, I just got to tell you, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just do your best to spend a little bit of time not worrying about it. Because if it is happening, if it is something that has been happening for you and you start worrying about it any more than you, 
even if you continue to worry about it the way you have been, it's not helping. Worrying about this is not going to help. It's just going to make you more stumbly. It's just going to make you more not know what you want to do. It's just going to make, it's going to increase all of the feeling that something is wrong here. There's nothing wrong here. There's nothing wrong here. You're just trying to figure out how to do this, how to guide people. And here is a place where, where there's an, a phenomena that the silence can go on too long. And like other phenomena inside of here, like parts of the body that have been in somatic dissociation coming back into feeling and expressing themselves through self-protective motor responses, and then that moving through to a completion phase that includes discharge and random trembling and shaking movements that then quiets itself out, as usually happens in relationship with the return or an increased innervation to the ventral vagal complex where people can easily report having a more facile or easier, more surface access to the sense of being able to look around and see the world and their head and neck tends to move easier and all of that. This whole sequence of business coming all the way back to somatic dissociation, something that is stuck and not happening of its own wanting to happen, you're just a guide for how to get that unstuck. You, you can't figure out how to do all that all at once. You're going to have all kinds of weird sessions that don't go anywhere. You're going to have all kinds of silent moments that feel awkward, that you wish didn't feel awkward. And you're going to have to figure out which ones of those you really do need to worry about and which ones you don't. Which ones you can do something about and which ones you can't. And that's the point. You don't want to worry about any of them. Oh, here we are. We went into the silence. Whoops. Here we are in this desert of silence. How long are we going to last? Is she going to say something first? Am I going to say something first? I don't know. Which one of us should say something first? Should I break the silence? Gosh, I don't know. We'll still look at why, when, when it can break the silence, when it's a good idea. But don't do it because you're worried about it. You'll just kind of walk in there and like bull in a china shop. You'll be like, chomp, 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 silence. Can't have silence. We're going to have to break the silence. You, you don't want to. You don't want to do that, so don't 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 worry about it. Because on one level, there's nothing to worry about. You're just sitting there. You're two people sitting in a room. Okay, nothing's happening. Okay, they're paying you for the hour. Okay, it feels awkward. Okay, you're talking too much. Okay, they're talking too much. I know. I know. And all of that, you, you you just wish you were just so much more fluid. I know, me too. Oh, just like, how can I dance so much, so much better here? Yeah, you want to. I don't want to step on your toes. Sure, don't. And don't worry about it because it's silence. It's like one of the most benign parts of the whole experience. Okay, maybe, maybe you're walking on somebody's biggest emotional trigger. You don't know what to say. It's the most random combination. And that's exactly what goes back to their family of origin that nobody ever knew what to say and everybody would just sit there in awkward silence and you're, you're re-traumatizing them. That's the least likely combination to happen. You are two people sitting in silence and it's probably awkward, but it's not re-traumatizing. It's not like you're causing havoc. 
this isn't this isn't like going off and screaming into the wilderness of all of the pain and destruction that's ever happened. You are two people sitting in silence that's going on a little too long. So please, don't worry about it. There are other things to worry about. The worry will not help you. Now with it, of course, there are things that, that we get to do, or we get, you know, places that, um, okay, there are things we get to do, still coming there, but there are things that, there are things that we, we want to take account of so that we don't have the silence go on too long. Because really this stuff, this stuff is dangerous. You know, you get that silence going too long and, and you, you could, you could reinforce freeze. You didn't mean to. You went into freeze. You said, "You said, oh wow, yeah, we got the preconditions for freeze here. We got, we got some self-protective response back online. We got some. We're ready for some organic pendulations. Been moving through activation, deactivation cycles. There's no fear overcoupled with this immobility here. We're going into freeze. Okay, everybody, just we're just gonna dorsal vagal state and let this ride. This is just calm, cool comfort. This is just right. We're just gonna ride through this and it." slows down and it slows down and it gets silent and you get silent and your client gets silent and the silence goes on too long it goes on so long that now you don't know what you're gonna say next you don't even know if they're still in the room, you don't even know if they're still paying attention you're embarrassed are you still paying attention I'm gonna ask you if you're paying attention I'm gonna break the silence am I gonna whoa, you don't even know. And you might be reinforcing freeze unnecessarily because maybe they, maybe they have left the building. Maybe there needed to be some kind of back and forth going that made it so you didn't go into that silence that would reinforce freeze. But yet there's this other silence that is just right there in freeze. And this person doesn't need any sound in the room at all. Just silence. Well, when you have these, you, you, you could you could reinforce freeze unnecessarily. And if that was what you were doing, then this would be a place to worry. You know, think about, you know, refine, look for how to get out of this, to not do it as much, to do it less. This idea that the silence could go on too long. You could uh, You could confuse your signal. If the silence goes on too long, you could confuse your signal. If your signal is about back and forth and the silence in one of these ways is allowed to come forward, you could confuse your signal about the fact that you want a back and forth. Now, you don't necessarily need or want a back and forth that is one-to-one. -one. You say something, they say something, they say something, you say something. It's like, do-do-do-do-do-do. We have a perfect game of ping pong. So, you know, sometimes somebody's chatting. Another person gets to just add in a little connector, a little bridge. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Oh, tell me more. Oh, then what happened? There could be just this little back and forth that just touches on you so that it's not just wayward and one-sided. And, and, you could confuse the signal. If you get too many different, like, talk, 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 then you went silent, silent, and then went talk, 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 and you went silent, and then we're talk, 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 and then you're silent, and you had this idea in your mind, that the idea was that you were supposed to be going back and forth. 
And your signal for getting that idea of going back and forth is completely confused and wrapped up with the idea that they're, that, that they're just to talk. So you, you need some consistency. And the more consistent you are, the more you can trust your signal. And if you, if you let a person go into the silence, you'll even have the question, should I break the silence now? Because I just gave them permission to go into the silence. And now I'm going to and now I'm going to start talking to them and start start asking them questions. And wait a second, then I'm going to break the silence and they're going to have a confused signal. Was the signal to allow the silence or was the signal to break the silence? Well, oh, that could get confusing. You don't, you don't want to confuse your signals. You want to have some consistency so people can trust and have an idea both intuitively and maybe even thoughtfully about what you, it is that you're doing to help them guide themselves into something that already wants to happen. To do that, you're going to have to have some consistency of signal. So it could confuse it. Yep, silence going on too long. It's dangerous. Whoa. You could set a precedence. You know, we just touched on that one, just wrapped up inside the last one. But you could set a precedence. If the silence goes on too long, if we always go into freeze and it just goes on too long, if you just go into freeze, go into freeze, go into freeze, and then you go silent, you could set a precedence that now you don't ever say anything. They could talk, talk, talk. You never say anything. You never ask those stitching questions. Oh, and then what happened next? Whoa, tell me more. Tell me more. You never get in a word in edgewise and you feel excluded from the conversation. You don't have a conversation. You have their monologue. Well, you could have a precedence for that. You could have a precedence for you talking the whole time and they just go quieter and quieter and quieter. Well, that... What are you going to do? You're going to suddenly start going quieter? Well, now you're confused your signal, right? Because you were talking, talking, and now you're going quieter. Well, maybe their behavior made you change your behavior. And so now they're feeling more and more ashamed of the fact that they were already quieter. And so now you start coming forward again to try to fill in all the space because you realize that your backing off was starting to have an impact. Ooh. Ooh, confusion of signal and a precedence. These are, these are things to worry about. Not like you want to be worried that you're doing it wrong. Not like that. Worried about this is not something that you want to let happen because you could do something about that. You could do something about that. You could also do something about this next one. But first, we got to just name, we got to name why it's a worry. And, and you could... <laughs> You could miss, miss it. <laughs> yeah, you, you, could, you don't want to do this. I know you don't want to do this. <laughs> None of us want to do this. But some of us have been, some of us have been known to do this. We could misinterpret profundity. We could help our clients either for our want of the success of the work or our want for the kind of contact with the miraculous or in, in any number of, of different kinds of things on our side or permissions for them having the same kinds of things together either for them or for us or for both in fact we could misinterpret this silence that is actually going on too long we could misinterpret this as profound we could we could give it weight we could we could make this really important as if it had everlasting all-knowing value and the fact of the matter is it's just silence that's gone on too long and and you you, you kind of want to want to bs your way through that 
you, you don't want to misinterpret the profundity of this. This is just silence that's gone on too long. And for those who are attracted to that profundity, misinterpreting silence that's gone on, to, there, there are times, there are times that it gets silent for a long time. And it is profound. There are times when it gets silent for a very long time. And it is profound. Not when the silence has gone on too long. Those are two totally different universes. It's like smoky mirrors. It's like you walk through there and you're on a you're in a completely different plane. This is silence that's gone on too long. Everybody's actually uncomfortable and awkward, and this feels like it was a waste of time. Now, if we make this a profundity moment where we say, Wow, that was really deep. Oh man, we set a precedence to want to go right back to this or allow this to happen or to think you're an idiot. We don't want clients to think, you're an idiot. Let's not misinterpret silence that's gone on too long as profound. It's not profound. It's just a, it's a kind of thing that we're going we're gonna to help to make better, but it's not a problem when it happens. It, it's just something to help not happen for these reasons. It could also limit your influence um, on attention meaning that part of your guidance as an SE practitioner, part of your guidance is to guide people's attention through their, you know, somatic experiencing inquiry and such, through their time with you, frankly. Meaning from the moment you meet them to the moment you help them go away, it's not just at particular points inside of a 45, 50 minute, one hour time period with somebody that you are doing somatic experiencing, you are, you are trying to relate to an animal, to an organism, to a biological creature. This is not a computer. You are not, you are not stamping a time card and starting some mechanical process inside of a factory. You are not working on an assembly line. You are working with a human being who happens to be a member of, of the biological world of mammals that has this process interrupted inside of itself, a process that is anticipatory of its completion, the autonomic stress response. You know, there's a million other things you're going to do in SE, but just take it at that. Take it at that, that you're trying to help people out of the arrested stress response that like it just it, it it just wants it just wants to complete it just needs a guide to help it not continue to repeat its same errors of repeating the same you know tension patterns excitation patterns overwhelm patterns etc so there you are there you are with a whole lot of need to guide a person's attention you need to be able to have them feel this and have them feel that and be more curious about this and a little bit less attention to that. And you need them to give a little bit more permission to this and be a little bit more orientated to that. And you need a whole lot of movement of people's attention. Whoa. Everything goes silent? Everything goes silent for too long? 
you let everything go silent for too long. I mean, things go silent for too long. You, maybe, maybe it just happened. You didn't let it happen. You, you don't have to take on the responsibility for it every single time. Sometimes it's clearly like you did it, but it went silent for too long and you need to guide people's attention. You need to have influence over people's attention and, and it's silent. What are you going to say? What are you going to do? It's silent. You can't even ask a person what to, what they notice now. You can't even help them notice this or that so as to help them pay attention to this or that. Whoa. Which vortex are you running down, baby? I, I'll tell you where my clients would go. I'll tell you where I would have gone. <laughs> it, it's flashy. Red, 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 red. Whoo! Swimming. Swimming. I'm going to go swimming down the red vortex because it's silent and you don't have any control or direction over my attention now. Nope. You got to have, you got to have some, you got to have some influence. Your influence needs to grow. You need, you need to cultivate your influence on people's attention. You need to want them to want to go where you're inviting them to go based on their past experience of your request having led them in a way that was better off for them than if they hadn't gone that way or hadn't known about it, the option. You're definitely, you're definitely trying to have some influence on your client's attention. And if it goes silent for too long... It's a curiosity how you're going to get a hold of that. And the guess is, of course, that you don't have much influence. In fact, you're kind of reinforcing with the influence that it's the what's supposed to happen here, which is not what is supposed to happen here. Not silence gone on too long. Silence that goes on. Yeah. Oh, man. oh it's luscious. It's delicious. It's sometimes it's, it really does feel that the world is not just a big grand mess. It feels like you're two people sitting in silence, just like the way it's supposed to be at that moment. And that is not silence that goes on too long. That's the silence you want to be able to hang out with. And you don't need to influence anybody's attention in that space. That's all just flowing. When it's not going to flow right, and you're in a silence that's on too long, just kind of helping reinforce the noise. Last, I'll grab a last. I got to get a last here. You could, you could limit, it could limit your interventions. You let the silence go on too long, it could limit your interventions. It could limit what you're willing to pull out as an intervention. You get into that confusion of, well, I let this, I let us just sit here in silence for five minutes. Well, we just, we just sat here in silence for two minutes. We just sat here in silence for 20 seconds. I'm telling you, it is completely relative. Completely relative to the situation to when the silence goes on too long. But here we get to this place that the silence has gone on too long and there's not a into it and an out from it. It's an into it and then it just goes on too long. And once it stays on too long, it could, it could really limit your interventions of what you're willing to say. And what you might ask them to do and what you might comment on and what you might be curious about. It could really limit what it is that you're going to, how, you know, of course, the influence on their attention. But then what you're going to be willing to try and do and what you might even say. You might even notice they're sliding down the red vortex. They're going way, way down. Oh, no. They're going further into freeze. 
I haven't said anything for five minutes. Should I say, don't go any further? Should I say, come back? Should I say, I'd like you to open your eyes now? Should I say, what do you notice next? Should I say, uh, where's your attention at? Should I? Should I? Should I start talking about the weather outside? Oh, I don't know. Oh, no. Now I haven't said anything for six minutes. And it just keeps going and going. Now it's six minutes. Now it's seven minutes. And the longer it's been silent for too long, the more and more uncomfortable it feels and the less likely you will be to make the right intervention. I'm not saying that at that moment the right intervention would have been to say anything. I don't know. It's relative. There is a moment whereby you can pass, pass the point where it is like we are now in the silence that's gone on too long. And yeah, there would be things you'd want to be able to do to avoid that to happen because there are some consequences as we have seen, my friends, right? Yes. Yes. Put your hand up in the air with me if you say yes. Yes, we've got to watch out for this here silence that goes on too long. Not because it's a bad thing. It's awkward. It's something we got to get to know. It's going to happen. It's definitely going to happen. You got to let it happen. You got to get to know it. You got to get to know what it feels like. You got to get to know before. Whoa, whoa, that's that's what had happened. And then it was long too long. But what was happening before that? You got to pay attention afterwards. You got to look back. What was that about? What was that about? How did that happen? You got to get to know the pattern of it. You got to get to know the timing of it. So here, what can we do about this? What can we do about this silence that goes on too long? Well, one thing, like I was saying before about the not worrying, is uh, nothing. And just don't worry about it. Stop trying to be perfect. I'll say that again for all of you who, who, who just wanted to stop and hear that again, because I'll say it again. You stop trying to be perfect. Stop trying to be perfect at this. You can't be perfect at this yet. You're just so sure that this silence has gone on so long. You, you know it so many times. You, you know if this is going to lead to the profound silence or not. You know if this is going to be them about to come back and really tell you what they're actually feeling. Oh, you, you mean that you have, you have sat there enough times to figure out that this is the silence that a person goes into when they're in freeze and the image sequence is really starting to move through and they're completely paying attention to this kind of inward movie inside their mind. And the last thing you would ever want to do is ask them to start talking to you because they're watching a movie as their hippocampus is coming back online and all these movie streams or pictures are coming back into focus and they're just like, whoa, seeing this thing, seeing this, seeing this. And you just want to sit there in silence. Oh, you know that one compared to the silence that's gone on too long and they're just sitting there with a blank look on their face and they don't know yet that they're about to see this movie stream that's so interesting and you don't know that that's going to happen? You know that already? You don't know that already. I mean, maybe you do know that already, in which case I hope you were laughing with me, but the rest of us, the rest of us, hey, we don't know that already and we don't know it all the time and you don't know it even in the moments that you're trying to figure out. Is this going to go on too long or is this about the right thing or something else going to come forward? You got to be apprehensive at the edge of your seat, even while you're sitting back calm as a cucumber. Don't worry about it. You got to get to know this. You got to get to know what happens in here. You have to, you know, let yourself make mistakes and lose control of the session. You got, this is the best place to lose control of the session. It's silence. It's two people sitting in silence. 
There's no blood here. There's no drama. Okay, yeah, there's consequences. And some of those we have to think about. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to do anything about it. You got to get to know. Did that happen because you went silent? Did that happen because they started talking and you didn't say anything? They talk, 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 talk. Did they start that way? Or did they start talking and give a tiny little pause that if you had gotten in there in that pause and asked a little question, you could have started up a back and forth that maintained to where you might have then had some influence over the direction of the conversation to where you might have brought in your interventions to slow things down or redirect toward a different kind of topic or conversation. If you miss that little piece of offering at the very beginning when a person starts talking and then pauses and you don't jump in there, did you cause the extra silence? Or was it the other way around? You started talking, they were silent, and you didn't know if they were going to answer you. And so you sat there for a moment considering, are they going to answer me? They're not going to answer me. i got to come in here and say something else. And so you started talking again, but were they going to answer you? Was that a silence that went on too long for you, but hadn't yet gone on too long for them? And this was actually just something that you needed to hold back another moment, and they were going to bring forward something that would have gotten the back and forth going. But now that you're already talking again, you're helping to set the precedence that says you talk and they listen and they just go silent too long you got you got to get you got to get in here you got to get the experience you got to watch these things and and there's no there's no safer place to lose control of your sessions and dissect what happens afterwards than when it goes silent so on a certain level don't worry about it don't do anything you'll just make it worse You'll just make it worse. You don't know what to do yet. You got to get to know what this is yet. There's enough spontaneity that was in here before. Nobody's ever been stayed in your office overnight. Nobody ever, you know, you come the next morning and they're still there sitting in silence. Like the two of you are going to work it out. Don't worry about it. Okay, you're going to. I know. The internalized voice. I'm not doing us right. It's going to come. Just, okay. Hi. We love you too. I'm going to get so good at this. You're going to get so good at this. We're all going to get so good at this. We're going to help so many people. It's going to be so great. Yeah? So try and learn from it. Learn what happens. Figure out who starts it. Figure out what the rhythm is, what the pattern is, what the timing is, how long it goes. Get to know it. And after observing that for some time, after you get to know how it works and when it happens, when it doesn't, who it happens with, you, you, can, you can come in and start to do things because there are, there are consequences to letting it happen, letting the silence go on too long, that you don't want. You don't want them. Your clients are paying you good money. They're in pain. Some of them are, are at their wits end and the silence goes on too long. It's, it, it can reinforce itself and, and cause repercussions that once you can get around it, and use that time effectively in your session, you'll just be much more helpful to people. So one thing is uh, that you can get comfortable adding pacing, leading, and stitching sounds 
into the back and forthness between you and your client. Now, not all of you want to do that, and not all of you are going to be, uh, nope, none of us are going to be very good at this when we first start. I got to tell you that. If you're not already doing this, some of you, some of, some people have a natural tendency to kind of keep a back and forth going with little, mm-hmm, huh, oh, really? And some of us don't. Some of us wait for a big enough pause for us to feel like it's our turn to speak. Some of us don't leave that pause available to people. We don't look for them to have that rhythm of, hmm, uh-huh, oh, and feel like they should do it back and forth to us. So there's a thing where you can want to help both establish the rhythm that how you speak leaves the space for your client to add in a stitching comment, like, if you're going to say multiple things in a row of explanation, rather than going through all three lines, you might get through line one and a half and pause long enough for your client to figure out that they could say, oh, and then you fill in the rest of it and you start the rhythm by giving them the space to make little comments. Same goes for you. You do not want to miss the opportunity to establish a back and forth kind of pattern with your clients and, and you can do that. You can do that regularly, even when somebody is talking a lot, even when there's a general sense of silence and the pace of the back and forth is just simply smaller or slower. Slower is a better way to say that, that you, it's less committal usually. There's a slower, longer rhythm between what you say and when they respond and when they respond and then when you respond. All of those things can get very slowed down, and yet your, hmm, uh-huh, oh, kind of reflections, or your stitching comments, such as, oh yeah, and then and then what happened, or he said that, and and then what what did you say, or, uh-huh, so that's what you see, and then and then what what do you see what do you see right after that? where you make sure that you get involved in helping their commentary have a back and forth by you asking little questions, probably a lot of times, to things that they're already going to say. That is to say, when some people are talking, 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 if you just listen, 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 they'll keep talking, 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 there'll be no back and forth. If they're talking, 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 and you know they're going to keep talking, 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 you say, tell me more about talking. And they talk, 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 talk but you got a little back and forth there and you didn't interrupt anything. You didn't disturb anything, but you did enter into some kind of back and forth. You can grow that. You can grow that. I'll, that goes beyond the scope of what I'll say here, but there are these sounds, there are these questions, there are these comments that, that kind of keep things moving along, but get you actually involved. Some of this comes down to going into freeze and the pacing and leading kinds of, mm-hmm, right. Yeah, that's it. We're just going to let that go as far, as long, as long as it needs to go. And now, of course, that was extremely abbreviated. That might have been done over five minutes, two minutes, three minutes of going down. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes, that's it. Uh-huh, just letting that happen. And so as a person goes into freeze with your guidance at each of those points being a point where they allow that 
letting go to happen that much more. So you are both keeping things from becoming silent and you are helping to reinforce feedback that they're going in the right direction. Now they get into freeze and they go quiet. Well, you guided them in there and you were talking. Now you go silent inside of that and it could be kind of strange. Like, well, you you were sounding before, but you're not sounding now. Now in hypnosis, some of you know this, and hypnosis is a thing that if you guide a person into trance and then you go silent, they'll kind of pop out of trance unless they're in a really super, super deep state. So it's like, you don't want to do that. You you kind of pace out periodically some kind of pacing and leading sounds that just kind of don't allow the silence to accumulate. Now, if you're doing that with a person who's in freeze, dorsal vagal dominance, like an immobility state, and you're guiding them in, and now you're going to slow down, it's not going to be as numerous uh, often that you're going to speak. Maybe you finally give it over. Yeah, just letting that go. Letting that go as far, as long, as long as it needs to go. We're just going to give that all the time it needs. That's like a really nice Peter Levine line. We'll just give that as much time as it needs, as if it had all the time, all the time that ever existed, all the time that would ever exist. Again, I'm speaking this very quickly for how you would probably deliver them when a person's going into freeze. Now, you've been talking. They go into freeze. They're really there. They're really allowing it to happen. You're going to go silent? You've been doing these little sounds. You're going to go silent? Well, you can get comfortable putting in little sounds that don't call people's attention, but don't allow the silence to accumulate. You can do that with your chair. Stephen Hoskinson taught me that one where you kind of like move inside of your chair very lightly and you make little creaky sounds with your chair, not regularly. That's the hypnosis point. You don't want to be regular here or you'll set up a hypnotic pattern. You want to be irregular. So you have some change in here. You periodically move. You you lift your legs off one leg and sweep to the other leg and the sound of your pants ruffling gives a little sound and so you don't allow the silence to accumulate. You just kind of like give a little signal that says there's still somebody else in the room. We're still here. We're still listening even though you're off in that space that giving as much time to that as you want. Every once in a while you make a little non-committal sound. You got to really keep this non-committal. It has to be mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. Mm -hmm. You're just trying to keep it moving along because once it starts to come out of freeze, you still want to be able to ride with the sounds, the leading sounds that would be like, uh-huh, oh, that's right. Sounds that are helping to bring the attention up. So... But if you don't maintain some sounds in the non-committal, just pacing it along kind of sounds of, mm -hmm. you're not trying to wake them up. You're not trying to get them to come out of this. You're trying to help them stay in this, but you're not trying to entrain them to stay in this any longer than it wants to happen on its own. So you're not trying to reinforce the freeze. You're not trying to reinforce any kind of trance or hypnotic state. You're trying to pace it until the first signals of an increased of activation in their system or a change state from their freeze starts to bring them up. And then your more committal leading sounds are available. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Uh-huh. Oh, that's right. All of those that help to bring the attention back up. So you can get you can play with not allowing the silence to accumulate by keeping some pacing sounds, some leading sounds, some stitching phrases um, available inside the conversation and inside the freeze states. You can also, um, let's see, if you'll confuse your signal of permission, you need to choose if you're going to break the silence or not. If you've allowed the silence to accumulate and now you're in it and you realize, oh, you know, now I'm going to break my signal of permission. I'm going to confuse what this is all about. Like I've, I've, we've allowed it to go silent. I've either explicitly or implicitly said this is the way that is. That's allowable. Now I'm uncomfortable with it. I want to talk more. I want them to talk less. I want them to talk more. I want to talk less. I have to change this. We're in freeze and I want to like give more sound. I don't want them to go so far away in the silence. We're both sitting here in this awkward freeze and it's gone on too long and I don't want to ask them again about their body. I have to break the silence. Do I have to break the silence? Should I break the silence? I think that question needs to be answered before you just decide to break the silence. Sometimes your signal, you know, you increase your confusion of signal. You're that's a cost. It's a cost. Every time you do that, now don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Don't take it on. But you don't want to do it if you don't have to do it. If you've already allowed it to get silent, you might wonder inside of there, is there anything bad happening because of this? It's awkward. It's not how I want it. But at least I'm talking and she's listening. Or at least he's, li at least he's talking to me and I'm listening. Or at least we're in freeze and nothing seems really bad to be happening. I mean, it's awkward. All of these are awkward. The silence has gone on too long. It's awkward. But it's not that bad. It's not like anything harmful is happening out of this. Okay, you know, I'm going to have to like double my efforts next time to try to make sure this isn't what happens to repeat itself and make it so that this is the pattern that always happens. But maybe I don't want to just confuse. Maybe I don't want to just come in here and now 15 minutes into this just do something completely different. I haven't said anything and now I'm going to start talking too much. You might just... You might work that out. Sometimes you need to. Sometimes you want to. If it's going bad because you're not breaking the silence, it's time to come in and say something. person's going down into the red vortex because of it, you need to come in and say something. If it's not that, you might take it as a learning opportunity. Take it as an experience of what happens when this is allowed to go on too long. Think about how next time you want to get more of the rhythm of back and forth and not allow the silence to accumulate in the first place. And just ride with it. It's going to be okay. Sometimes you have to make that choice. Not just feel the discomfort and feel like you're supposed to do something because of it. Sometimes you got to ride the discomfort all the way through. Now, if you come in to break the silence, you've got, you've got a few different options. You can make sounds like we kind of like what we were talking about before, more or less little sounds that you can kind of come in and soften the fact that it's been silent too long. You can come in with comments and curiosities. You can say little things off the side of your 
head. <laughs> just kind of lean over and say, yeah, you know, it's like um, sometimes things just take their own time. Or, sure. Well, as we're sitting here and kind of taking time, maybe we just slowly uh, just start to just start to wonder about what we what we notice. Now, that wasn't just a curiosity. That was a movement toward a question, which is also on this list. We have sounds we can do. We have comments and curiosities, which are more like off the off the side commentary about the scene, or or off the you know some some people with hypnotic training would would fill in story here or some somehow nicely, um, kind of an Ericksonian kind of way of like story uh, reference to the moment you could come in softly to break the silence by by bringing the voice in through a storyline then there's questions the questions could be softened to bring them in you know like i just did a moment ago like you know really just um taking the time to answer and just wondering where, where you're, where you're noticing your attention now, how you're noticing yourself now. So you could have questions or you could have directives, right? You could have directives of, okay, well, um, I'm going to, I'm going to just come in now if that's okay. And, and just kind of see if, if we could just go ahead and start turning our head and neck a little bit and start taking in the room a little bit or yeah right taking all the time this is like i'm going to do this one fast it's kind of trite for me at this point to say this over and over on the podcast but it's like person's in freeze and you're going to break them out of freeze before the end of the session you're going to break the silence with it you might be like yeah right like um even just considering the idea the possibility that we might start to open our eyes and start to take another look around the room i'd probably use a very different voice in situ so got sounds, comments, curiosities, questions, directives. The thing is, the thing is with each of those, you're you're trying to keep a certain continuity of the state. You're trying to develop. I would, you know, this is not just me. This is like Stephen Hoskinson, Peter Levine, like continuity of state. That's what we're trying to restore. We're trying to restore the integration between these different moments and um, elements of experience. Well, you you don't want to go from silence to breaking the silence. You probably want to soften that transition if it has gone on silent too long. And there is no catastrophe happening because of it. You know, you're not on the you're not on the event horizon for the the worst session ever. It's just two people sitting in silence. Then you might either relax around like when when does this just naturally like changes of its own or bringing in little sounds to soften it or you speaking a little bit more in little one-offs uh-huh really tell me more or as they're taking more time to answer your questions 
you're asking fewer questions and giving them a little bit more time, or you're asking smaller questions that make it easier for them to answer, or you're making little tiny questions, little tiny questions that all they have to do is nod or lift their head or say, mm-hmm, so that the silence doesn't go on too long for them. And your questions might not have then anything to do with their personal experience if they have not been able to answer those to you. It might be something completely oddball, and I'm not even going to give you another example, because we, we are done. Yes, we are. This was Twig's SE Reflections, episode 71. My friends, breaking the silence, if you're going to go do that, do it gently now. Do it gently now. Okay, take good care. Bye-bye. Here's a little tracking twig moment for episode 71. I am definitely going to Amherst in Northampton, Massachusetts at the end of January. I'm really looking forward to it. We're going to do Where to Start, one of my probably more structured and helpful workshops ever. That's going to be in Northampton on January 27th. Series of thoughts on how to bring new clients into this work and set things up for later. Yes, indeed. January 27th, you can find that at my schedule, liberationispossible.org backslash schedule. And for folks further along, late in January, no, excuse me, late in February, going to be in Tucson, Arizona for a weekend. Going to do a marketing SE to new clients, how to introduce SE to new clients, and a demo day over a weekend end of February, February 27th, 28th. Going to have a social there too. Got a social over in Amherst. Nope, Northampton. Yes, people looking forward to seeing you there. Further on in March, March, I'm going to be passing through California. Going to get out to Los Angeles. Hope to stop in San Francisco, Bay Area, Berkeley, probably up to Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, if it all works out. People who are really keen on that kind of idea on the West Coast, you get in touch with me. That could happen in March. Okay, that's that.